Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Arkea, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those voyaging into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. It's comforting to imagine killers behind bars, but what if they get loose? Some could be stalking around your neighborhood, or even be that dark shadow outside your window. Today's stories all talk about killers close to home. First, we'll watch some live coverage of a murderer gone loose. Next, we'll order some odd-tasting ice cream from a disgruntled employee. After that, we'll take a dip in the pool at a roadside bed and breakfast. And finally, we'll visit a small town and get in deep with some bad kids. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then, I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, consider joining our Patreon. Our patrons play a huge role in keeping the show running every single week. For more information on how you can help the show and also be a part of it, visit patreon.com snarled. So, want to hear something scary? The following story is inspired by Charlotte. My neighborhood had always felt very safe. Our neighbors knew each other, and the only crimes ever reported were things like stolen bikes or car break-ins, and those were rare. As I walked home from school that day, it never crossed my mind that anything bad could happen. I got home and started my homework at the kitchen table while my mom was making dinner. The local news was on, which was perfect for background noise because the news in our town was always boring. But today, the newscasters caught my ear. A man known for committing a spree of brutal killings in our town three decades ago had just escaped from prison. I'd heard his name before, the Grim Gouger. They showed security footage of the escape as they were giving his description. Tall, heavyset, wearing a white mask. They said he was mentally unstable and armed with knives he'd stolen from the kitchen during the escape. And from the bloody shoe tracks he left behind, it looked like he'd already used them. My mom saw the fear on my face just as the newscaster started to tell how the grim gouger got his name. 
She turned off the TV. The news loves to scare people, she said. But if you don't see it, it isn't happening. See? My mom went back to cooking. I tried to focus on my homework, but it wasn't easy. The grim gouger was loose. That night, my dad was running late, so we started dinner without him. My mom told some pretty funny jokes, and for a moment, everything was fine. We were totally safe. The news really was just about scaring people. But when my dad arrived home, I could tell something was way off. He went straight to my mom and whispered in her ear. She then turned to me and said, straight to bed, young lady. I got up from the table and as I did, I could just make out the slight buzz of a helicopter outside. As I settled in for bed, I could hear the sound of the helicopter grow louder along with a high-pitched whine of sirens. Meanwhile, downstairs, my parents were frantically checking that all the doors and windows were locked while speaking in hushed tones. I'll stay up, my dad whispered. My mom agreed to stay up with him. My parents had never acted like this before, ever. This was serious. I grabbed my iPad and logged into the local news. Live camera footage from a helicopter was searching a suburban neighborhood. A huge manhunt was underway. I closed my eyes and repeated my mom's words in my head. If you don't see it, it isn't happening. I turned off the iPad and pulled up the covers. Another restless hour passed. I just drifted off to sleep when a loud buzzing rattled the whole house and sent my heart racing. I grabbed my iPad and quickly logged back in to find the live footage of the manhunt still streaming. The helicopter spotlight drifted over a two-story townhouse that looked all too familiar. The Rosens. They lived just three houses away. As I watched the Rosens' house all lit up in the spotlight, a man in black clothing darted around the corner out of sight. Mom? Dad? I called out, but they were either asleep or they couldn't hear me over that chopper engine which had turned insanely loud. Suddenly, the spotlight swung across my bedroom window with this blinding white light, and that's when I saw our house on live TV. There was our patio, our grill, and the trees tossing wildly under the helicopter's swirling blades. I stared hard at the iPad screen when someone darted off the side of our house. I couldn't believe my eyes. This can't be real, I thought. I turned off the iPad and closed my eyes. And as soon as I did, the helicopter drifted away. My mom was right. She had to be. If you don't see it, it isn't happening. Then a smash of broken glass came from downstairs, followed by the screams of my mom and dad. I ran down the steps, trying to keep my feet quiet and peeked into the kitchen. There were my mom and dad tied to chairs. Both their eyes were gone, leaving empty sockets, as I realized how the Grim Gouger got his name. I covered my mouth, but a small cry escaped. The Grim Gouger turned and looked at me through his white mask. It's okay. If you don't see it, it isn't happening. He walked toward me, repeating, If you don't see it, it isn't happening. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. 
Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Those who come running at the familiar jingle of the ice cream truck might want to walk a bit more slowly after listening to this story. Inspired by Alex. If there's one thing that gets kids excited, it's that familiar jingle of the ice cream truck. Who didn't run out with their allowance at the sound of that song? I definitely did. I loved talking with the neighborhood kids as we ate our treats on a hot summer day. The best part was, we knew the driver. Larry and Leo, a father and son duo. Leo was my age and we all thought he was so cool. I mean, he got to work in an ice cream truck for Christ's sake. But as we all grew older, so did Leo. Now we were all 17 and Leo no longer enjoyed helping his dad. Now he called it a dead end job. He wanted to get out there and be somebody, but his dad made him work the truck. The worst of it came when old Larry decided to double profits. He left to work the town over, leaving Leo to handle our neighborhood. Everyone could tell Leo was over it now. He started raising his prices without even telling his dad. That way it looked like he sold more ice cream without doing much work. I still took my nephews to get ice cream, so I would see him from time to time. He grew his hair out and adopted a bad attitude. He'd make fun of the kids and give them less than they asked for. I asked him about it one day. Hey, you know these kids are just as excited as we were back then. Cut them some slack. This seemed to really get under Leo's skin. Just wait until they grow up. Then they'll realize how trapped they are in this shitty little town. I just rolled my eyes and bought my nephew some strawberry sherbet. We went back home and I thought about Leo. He had stopped showing up at school. He just stayed shacked up in that van, waiting for his dad to come home. I figured maybe he was lonely and needed someone to talk to, but my train of thought was cut short by my nephew. Uh, Uncle Alex? He winced and started grasping his stomach. I stood up. Something was very wrong. Hey, hey, what is it, bud? Tearing up, he gasped. I don't, I don't feel very... Crying, he dropped his cone and started vomiting pink ice cream on the kitchen floor. I helped him get a bucket. That damn ice cream. I inspected the cone. It had hair all over it. And there were weird yellow flakes in the ice cream. I took a whiff of it and reeled back. It smelled awful. Leo said this was the only ice cream we deserved. My nephew croaked out. This is absolutely unacceptable. You need to tell me next time Leo tries any of this. I responded. I decided I was going to confront Leo right now. I found his truck parked outside the local grocery. 
I also noticed that the truck door was ajar. I took the opportunity and went inside. The truck was freezing cold, no surprise there. I checked the trash can inside the truck and there was the hairnet. Of course he wasn't using it, but something else caught my eye. Underneath the trash can was a crate. I lifted the lid and there in front of me sat bundles of cash and a map of the state. He was planning to run off with all this money he hoarded. I couldn't believe it. Leo was going to betray his father. I looked around for more places he was hiding money. In the corner sat the freezer. More must be in there. I took the lid and threw it open. But there was no money inside. Rather, there were mounds and mounds of strawberry sherbet ice cream. And implanted in the center was the decapitated head of old Larry. I couldn't move. I'd never seen a dead body in my life. The face I had known so well as a kid now stared back at me with a look frozen in horror. The ice cream began to fall apart, revealing more pieces of Larry's body. Blood leaked throughout the sherbet, the same sherbet all the children were eating. The door slammed behind me. I spun around, and there stood Leo, a bag of ice in one hand and a chef's knife in the other. Are you here to stop me too? He grumbled under his breath. I panicked. I didn't know what to do. Why, how did you... He left the knives lying all over the truck. Never really saw it coming, but you seem to be ready for it. Leo started moving forward. My hand searched for a weapon, but instead found the button for the ice cream jingle. I pressed it and jumped through the big open serving window. Leo cursed. You little rat! Get back here before I... But he stopped. All the nearby kids and their parents came running up to the ice cream truck, including some local police stopping by for a smoothie. The rest went by in a blur. But I remember pulling the cops over to the side, warning them not to sip their smoothies. And the next thing I knew, Leo was in handcuffs, being sent away in a car, playing a much different type of song. We had a funeral for old Larry. Almost every kid in the neighborhood came out for that one. And as for me, well, there is an open invitation for a new ice cream driver. So I thought I'd make amends. I want every kid to smile when they hear that familiar jingle again. And this time, everyone gets a free scoop. Who doesn't have an ice cream truck in their neighborhood? I mean, do you still have that? I know that I definitely do. I can't remember not having that. And I also couldn't think about having that friendly ice cream truck driver turn into somebody like Leo. Do you think our storyteller was right for entering that truck alone? I mean, he was pretty riled up. I mean, I know I would have done it. Do you think you'd ever work in an ice cream truck? <laughs> I hope you don't turn out like Leo. If you're fascinated by the darker sides of humanity, Join us every week on our podcast, Serial Killers. 
where we go deep into notorious true crime cases. With significant research and careful analysis, we examine the psyche of a killer, their motives and targets, and law enforcement's pursuit to stop their spree. Follow Serial Killers wherever you get your podcasts and get new episodes every Monday. Family vacations can often get cut short, but never quite like this next story. Inspired by this anonymous submitter. Every summer, me and my family would drive down through the desert to Las Vegas. This had basically become tradition. While my parents would spend their money in the casinos, I would basically chill out in the hotel pool. We didn't have a pool back home, so I was always really excited to jump in the water. However, today's drive to Las Vegas wasn't going well. We left late in the day and got stuck in traffic. It was awful. The worst part about these trips was the drive, and this one was taking forever. My dad tried to distract me by turning on the radio, which never worked. The songs cycled through generic top 40 hits until suddenly the feed cut out. Some static played and then a news reporter came on. The Clark County Juvenile Detention Center has suffered a breach in security. Young inmate Abigail Foster is the only known escapee. She was incarcerated last year for the murder of her parents. She is known to hide her identity with a paper mask. Please lock your doors and report any suspicious behavior to local law enforcement. My mom and dad sat in silence. That was all a joke, right? I looked out my window to catch a sign reading, Now Entering Clark County. My dad smiled and pointed to a familiar bed and breakfast nearby. Hey, remember when we used to stop here on the drive up? We haven't booked a room here in a while. How about we try that? Mom quickly responded, That sounds like fun. Let's do that. Right, Paisley? She looked at me and smiled hard. They were acting super strange, so I just nodded and we pulled into the lot. The front desk worker was an old lady named Mrs. Pearl. I think I remember her, but she definitely remembered me. Look how Big you've grown, she kept remarking over and over. We finally got our room at the end of the cul-de-sac. My parents settled in for the night, but I was still uncomfortable. Mom and dad were acting so strange, and I didn't want to just sit inside all night. There had to be something to do around here, and then I saw it. The large heated pool sitting next to the front lot. My parents started talking about just turning back and going home. If they were going to leave, this was my one chance at getting some pool time. I snuck out as they were in the middle of an argument and dove into the pool. Oh, the water was so nice. It had been a year since I got to have this much fun. I dunked my head and tried to see how long I could hold my breath. One. Suddenly, someone jumped in the pool with me. They floated there, slowly sinking to the bottom. They could hold their breath a lot better than I could. And for some reason, they had on all their clothes. 
I was running out of breath when I strained my eyes under the water. Something red was floating up. As was their head. Oh God, I knew who that was. It was Mrs. Pearl. I breached the water gasping for air. Someone was watching me from the end of the pool. Their orange outfit outlined them in the darkness. Steam from the pool traced along their body, and atop their head was a bloody paper bag. The kid from the prison break. It was Abigail Foster. I trembled in the pool as Abigail slowly stepped in. All the blood from her uniform melted into the water. Abigail grabbed a pair of rusty garden shears from Mrs. Pearl's corpse. I didn't know whether to scream or run. The warm water felt like it had gone ice cold. The child killer pointed the shears at my throat and whispered, Mommy and Daddy's car keys. Go get them. Shivering, I crept out of the pool and into the cold night air. Abigail marched me right to the room, shears pointed at my back. I slowly opened the door. It was pitch black inside. Oh, thank God, Mom and Dad were asleep. I moved my arm around the door into my dad's jacket. A groggy voice broke from the bed. It was Dad. How's the pool, honey? We figured that's where you went. I froze. I could feel the keys between my fingers. Abigail started to push the garden shears gently into my back as a warning. I had to get out of here fast. Fun, but I need to get my goggles from the car. All right. Enjoy it while it lasts, because we're going back tomorrow. Dad replied and then rolled over. I quickly shut the door without responding. I turned to Abigail. I could see her pupils staring me down through the paper mask. She looked like she wanted to go in there. I cried out. They were nearly asleep. They didn't see anything. Abigail merely shoved me along with the shears. We made our way into the parking lot. I could see through the front desk window now. Chairs were overturned. Blood marked the walls. There were more bodies. What had she done? We got to the car. You wear these. Abigail pointed to her orange outfit. I wear those. She then pointed to my bathing suit. We quickly swapped clothes in the dead of night. Abigail got inside and expertly started our car up. She revved the engine a few times, causing lights to flicker on in the bed and breakfast rooms. Abigail leaned out of the driver's side window. She moved her hand up and slowly removed the bag from her head. Abigail's face was covered in so much blood. I could barely see it. She looked like some kind of monster. Then Abigail put the bag over my head. It felt warm and wet. It stank of flesh 
I couldn't help it. I started to cry through the two small eye holes in the front. And with that, Abigail drove off into the night, dropping the garden shears at my feet. B&B residents started rushing outside. They saw me and pointed. They screamed in horror and called the police. Why wouldn't they? To them, Abigail Foster was at their doorstep. One of the adults was rushing towards me with a bat. I started choking on my tears, raggedly whispering, It wasn't me. I'm not Abigail. As the adults swiftly brought me to justice. Wow. What a story. Do you think that Paisley got framed for Abigail's murders? I mean, think about it. Her mom and dad are asleep in the B&B room. Everybody else just sees Abigail, who they think is Abigail, standing there. Orange jumpsuit, bloody shears. I mean, is there anything else that Paisley could have done besides what she did to get Abigail away from her parents? Could Paisley's parents have done anything else? They just wanted to stop by a, a B&B that they'd enjoyed before. What do you think Abigail had been doing to make the bag so bloody? Feels like it had to be more than her interacting with Mrs. Pearl. You ever go out of your way to impress a group of friends? The story inspired by Roman follows that exact scenario with some disastrous outcomes. Samantha was a shy girl in a small town. Because of her nature, she wasn't used to making friends, but she longed for it. Her tastes were a bit strange, comparably. She was into the occult and fascinated with death. Still, she knew she was a good person at heart and wanted to have a solid group of friends. Sadly, no one wanted to hang out with her, except for one group. A crowd of punks had recently moved into town, and they were all about causing havoc. Skipping school, cutting curfew, and tagging up all the local landmarks. The group was led by a girl named Danny, who was a bit of a silver tongue. She would always cause chaos, but could always talk her way out of it once the authorities arrived. Danny could influence most people she met, which is how she grew most of her gang. One day, she caught Samantha walking home from school and started a chat with her. Hey, Danny called out. I like your backpack pens. Nice to find someone else cool around here. Uh, oh, thanks, Samantha stammered. Samantha was a bit nervous of Danny's stark leather attire, but the more they talked, the more they found in common. They were both really into Halloween and horror movies and true crime stories. Danny made Samantha feel strong. Instead of viewing herself as an outcast, Danny made her feel like a diamond in the rough. A week later, Samantha was riding around with Danny's gang. I'm so happy I met you all. Samantha said. It feels great to be part of a group. One thing the gang noticed was that Samantha would shy away once chaos began. 
when smashing mailboxes, Samantha would just sulk in the back seat. And when they'd teepee houses, Samantha never threw a roll. Everyone would whisper to Danny and point at her questionably. This made Samantha incredibly uncomfortable. She didn't want to lose the only friends that she had. Luckily, she would have the chance to prove herself the coming Saturday night. As the rain poured down in the night sky, Danny and her gang drove to the local graveyard. Samantha had never been out this late, but the mood was enticing. She'd always wanted to chill around a graveyard with some friends. Upon arrival, they helped each other hop the fence into the graveyard. A distant bolt of lightning lit up the valley. A more violent storm was coming in. Samantha was still nervous about the entire affair. A local boy had gone missing a month ago in this very place. Couldn't they have picked a different cemetery? She didn't say anything out of fear that they would tease her for being a scaredy cat. They brought out flashlights and began lighting up the nearby graves. Samantha was confused about what their plan was. Just then, Danny slung her backpack onto the ground and pulled a collection of spray cans. Tonight, they were marking their territory. Samantha watched in silence as Danny and the others tagged up the graves. The nearby storm was whipping into a frenzy. Each bolt and crack of thunder made Samantha jump. She felt horrible. She enjoyed the atmosphere of the graveyard, but painting over tombstones was clearly disrespectful. Still, she was afraid to speak her piece. There were too many of them if things went south, and Samantha couldn't get over that fence alone. Suddenly, the whole group turned to Samantha. They tossed her a can and told her to start painting. Samantha picked up the can slowly. Danny scratched her chin and looked out upon the graves. She smiled and pointed at a run-down old tombstone. What about Rodney? Danny smirked. They walked up to the grave of Rodney the Crusher Duggan. They called him the Crusher because he crushed the windpipes of all his victims. The group waited as Samantha stared at the stone. Hello, what are you waiting for? Danny egged her on. There was no going back now. Samantha slowly spray painted her initials as the group cheered. Danny suddenly brandished a switchblade and stepped towards Samantha. She shoved the handle into Samantha's hand. Now, make it official. Samantha spun around in fear and began carving her initials. She wanted to get out, but Danny was blocking her path. Thunder blasted through the air as the group became more manic. The storm seemed to be right on top of them now. Your initiation is almost done, Danny said. Now open the tomb and spit on his body. Samantha couldn't. This had gone too far. She wanted to leave, but at her request, everyone in the group brandished their switchblades. I thought you wanted to be one of us, taunted Danny. Samantha took a deep breath and grabbed the loose slab above the earth. She held her breath and shifted it off the ground. Samantha got on her hands and knees and peered down into the dark grave. She spotted the outline of a body at the bottom. Samantha pursed her lips when 
Suddenly, she was shoved from behind. She screamed as she fell to the bottom of the muddy crypt. She wailed and felt the stiff body beneath her. Samantha quickly flipped over, expecting an old skeleton. Instead, she came face to face with a young boy, wearing his school uniform. It was the boy who went missing, now freshly rotting in this grave. Samantha heard laughs from above. She looked up and saw Danny with the skeleton of Rodney Duggan. She was puppeteering Rodney's skeleton arm in a playful wave. That kid couldn't survive the initiation, but maybe you can. Danny shouted out over the thunder. A muddy patch of dirt hit Samantha's face, and then another. She screamed as her friends started burying her alive. We have to honor Rodney, so let's see if you can survive the crushing. Samantha could hear them less and less now. The dirt was entering her ears. She tried to wiggle free, but the weight of the earth was too intense. She could no longer move. She could no longer speak. All she could do was think to herself. Maybe if I hold my breath, I can get out of this. Maybe they'll stop and let me free if I survive. I just have to hold on a little longer. They'll stop and let me out and we'll all laugh about this. And Samantha held on and on and on until the weight of the world crushed her into the grave. I think people have different feelings about graveyards. Do you think it's disrespectful to hang around one? I personally haven't felt that way. As long as you aren't up to anything bad, graveyards tend to be extremely peaceful. What about Danny's gang? What do you think their ultimate plan was? Were they going to dig Samantha out? Do you think they were going to stop and then just decided that they were just having too much fun? This week's podcast stories were edited by Zach and Brogno, Marquia McCarty, Adam Sinker, and Sapphire Sandalo. Audio edited by Johnny Ashley and Fitz Harris. Produced by Annalise Nelson. Music by Sapphire Sandalo. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.